Man, so glad to be with you today, Northgate, to all of you who are joining us in your homes, your workplace, uh, maybe as you're traveling from here to here. Um, just really thankful that uh, you're inviting us into that space. And I actually want to give a shout out to our awesome hosts that are hosting online. You can talk to them. We have Art on there at this service today. We have Dave and a handful of other people. And maybe that's even something you're interested in, is in saying like, hey, I just want to get plugged in right now. You can hop in and help be a host for us during our online service on that platform. And that's a great way to connect with people and help walk them through the process. Some of you maybe don't even know that there is an option for you to chat uh, or receive direct prayer uh, conversations with someone else or someone that's on our staff or one of these hosts. So encourage you to check that out, to lean in all the way, um, just as in this phase of life that we're in and ways that we can connect is really important. Um, I, uh, I got to tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed worship today. That was a special treat. Um, Byron, uh, we go way back. Uh, we have a, a long history. I met Byron back in 2000, so this is 20 years ago, or 21 if you want to do it like that, but a long time ago, and he was actually my gospel choir teacher. I know. I just said that it was in gospel choir. I looked the part. I know. He taught me some amazing things about worship, and I have forever been thankful for that, and today was just like bringing back all the feels about just experiencing worship. I remember uh, one of the things he taught me is that uh, worship is expressive and you should like see it on your face. Like it should be like ugly and just raw and real and deep. And those are all things that I think are important for us to experience. It's just not all pretty and nice and sweet and loving and kind all the time. There's just times that we just have to just get there and let it come out of us. And I think that's when we get to really experience what God has for us in the midst of genuine worship. So I'm thankful for him and his ministry and just coming here and with our faith community and sharing that stuff out. So speaking of emotions, uh, we are having a conversation right now about emotions and how emotions can really become the boss of us, that they can control us, and we need to be able to say no to the emotions that can start to be the boss of us. And Jesus had some things to say about this, and Matthew, we've covered this the last couple weeks as we've continued this conversation. He says it this way, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Yes, a couple times a day. We're not going to talk about that, though. We see that, Jesus, so what are you trying to say to us? And then he continues, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, the other end, come from the heart, and these defile them, that these things that come out of us, they come from our heart, and they can defile us. They can actually put us at odds with God and put us at odds with others. For out of the heart come thoughts of these things, the, the things that we think of, our heart and our mind, it's interchangeable right here. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander and other versions and other gospels. There's even more that he says. See, our, our words reflect the things inside, the condition of our hearts. And when we get rattled, when things happen to us and we get shaken, things come out of us. And those are the things that he's saying can defile us. Our emotions can get a hold of us and it can put us at odds with God and it can put us at odds with other people 
relationships, those who are closest to us, those who are watching us from a distance. And we can get caught up and find ourselves saying things like, well, I, I didn't mean to say that, right? Or, or I, I didn't mean to do that. Or I'm not sure where that came from. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you are. You know, you know exactly where that came from because it's in you. It's what's in you. And that's what you have to control. That's what you have to be aware of, of what you're putting in you and what's living and you're allowing to lurk and, and just, you know, ruminate in this space. It's going to come out of you at some point. And you're not going to really be able to just say, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, because people are seeing what's really in there. And it exposes these gross, dark things that are, are, just, are, are just controlling us. And we need to say, no, no, no. I have a better, bigger boss. So a couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation about anger. And we know that nobody wants anger to be the boss of them. And then we had a conversation this last week about pride and how pride is no longer going to be the boss of us. And today, the thing that I want to talk about is envy. Envy. Envy is like this, this word. It really can mean jealousy, but envy just sounds like <laughs> envy. It just... It sounds more lurky and, and it, like it can do some more damage. And in fact, it can do a lot of damage. There was a, a guy named King Solomon, not just a guy, a king in, in the Old Testament. And he had lots of things to say. He was one of the wisest men that ever lived. And he experienced a lot of life and made a lot of observations and gave us some really good things to learn that we can grab from the scriptures. And one of those is from Proverbs. And in Proverbs, he said simply, envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. Envy leaves us competing with other people. Envy uh, leaves us competing with other people that don't even know that they're in a competition. Envy is that thing that's looking through others, that's jealous, that's uh, up against them, and, and that makes us arrogant when we're not winning or leaves us feeling discouraged when we're not. It's, it's that thing that when you're staring at someone else and then they fail or they trip up or they have that kind of like that moment, that thing, that really gross thing inside of you that says, that like really gross thing when you're watching someone else do a presentation or work hard on something and, and they kind of trip up or that, uh, that it's, that, it's why we're always about the underdog, right? Because we're envious or we're jealous or we're competing with them and we, in, in that gross really thing that's just disturbing inside of us is that some of us really just like to see others fail, right? Because we're, we're working so hard to be better than them or more than them, and the bottom line to all of this is when it comes to envy, we need to knock it off. Just knock it off. Those things that envy causes in us and when it comes out, it's gross. So we just need to knock it off. But the thing is, is it's not that easy, right? If only it was that easy that we could just knock it off. We, we could just suddenly take control over it, but it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. See, envy is really not a problem to solve as much as it is attention to manage. This is, this is something every day that you're going to deal with. Every day you're going to deal with this competitive spirit or I have to do more or I have to show that person up or I have to embarrass this person or, you know, over top of. And it's that thing that drives you. And so we have to learn 
how it's not something that we can really solve, that jealousy that's in us, but we do have this opportunity to manage the tension that it creates in us. And so Solomon has these beautiful things to say in this word picture that we get to to see. And he says, hey, when you start going to a place mentally with envy, when you start mentally going there and it's consuming you, and then when you start drifting off, even towards envy or discontentment emotionally, emotionally, I want to give you in scripture, Solomon's saying this, this word picture to help you regain balance and grasp what this looks like, that this is something important to remember, this emotion, this pride and anger and fear, lust and envy, it can throw us off tilt. It can throw us off of balance. And so he says in Ecclesiastes, this is Solomon, he says in Ecclesiastes 4.4, he saw, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. I saw all that this toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. And so he's saying 3,000 years ago right here that the same thing was going on, that I could see that everyone's toil, the things that they were grasping for, everyone was competing. They, they were determining where they were where they were based on where everyone else was around them. It was a constant comparison, and really it was becoming a comparison trap. And so then he says, this too is meaningless. I saw that all of the toil achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless. Essentially, he says, this is ridiculous. He gives us this powerful word picture then right here, One that we should etch into our souls, and it's this. It's already up here. (laughs) This word picture is, it's a chasing after the wind. Go back, please. Back one side, yeah. This is the word picture. A chasing after the wind. Chasing after the wind. It's endless. There's, There's no finish line. There's, there's no peace because you're always chasing and going and toiling. It's always the fighting the errs, right? Well, theirs is newer. It's nicer. Hers is bigger. Theirs is better. It's faster. They're smarter. It's this constant chasing that you can never catch up to. And what that equals is dissatisfaction guaranteed dissatisfaction, guaranteed. Envy will steal joy from your accomplishments because someone else accomplished more. When you catch yourself looking and you drifting into someone else's lane, we need to say, friends, we need to sit there and say, no, 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 Envy, I'm, I'm seeing that right. I want you to know right now, you're not the boss of me. It's chasing the wind. It's chasing the wind, and I don't chase the wind. Envy, you're not going to be the boss of me. I'm not going to chase the wind. I don't chase the wind. It's, it's sideways energy. It's a, a waste of time, my life, just chasing the wind constantly and just going after it. It's restless. He continues on and says, I'm, I'm going to give you just a bit more of a picture of what this looks like. It says, uh, and fools fold their hands and they ruin themselves. So essentially he's saying, hey, don't, don't be non-productive. So if you're going to say, well, I'm not going to chase the wind then because that's going to make me thinking about other things and, and being envious of things and jealous of things. So I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to fold my hands. I'm going to do nothing, right? That's the extreme. That's what you see kids do. Fine, if I can't do that, then I'll do nothing, right? And you're like, well, no, that's absurd. And that's what we do too. 
It's not about not being productive. That's not the answer. He brings these extremes together by this one example. He says, better is one handful with, with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. See, better is one hand with tranquility and, and satisfaction. That's what this word tranquility right here means, is it's satisfaction or contentment. One hand with contentment and peace is better than, than two hands chasing and toiling and fighting for and grasping because it just leaves us wanting more and pressing on. And his point to all this is actually that less is more when it leads to contentment. Less is more. And the result of that is actually peace. It's peace. That's contentment. It's tranquility. Better is one handful of tranquility than the two hands grasping and striving and going and pretending and you know, not caring for and tearing down. He, 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 he continues to give us this full, broad spectrum of the picture. He says, and verse 7 continues, he says, Again, I saw something meaningless. Again, again, I saw something that was ridiculous. Let me tell you what I saw under the sun, which is basically here, everything that he saw around him or, or you know, happening uh, amongst him. I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man, and he was all alone. He had neither son nor brother, which essentially meant this, that he was all alone. He didn't have a son or brother, so he had no one at that time to leave an inheritance to. At that time, women couldn't receive an inheritance. That's how they did it back then. And so he's saying, hey, he, I saw this guy. He had no one to leave any of his things to. He had no one he could give this stuff to, and there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So then he asked, for whom am I toiling, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? For whom am I toiling? I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of people will say this, well, well, I toil like the things that I'm doing and why I'm just fighting and pursuing and going after so hard and, you know, trying to reach that thing is I'm doing it for my kids. Are you? Are you really doing that for your kids? Is that what you tell your kids? Oh yeah, sorry, I'm not at anything. Uh, you guys don't really know I'm in a competition with everyone around me to prove a point to a handful of people that maybe you don't even know uh, I needed to prove a point to. And that's why I'm not showing up at your thing. That's why I'm not really uh, there mentally or emotionally when we have time together. You know, are your kids really standing at the door in the morning cheering on being like, thanks, Dad, thanks, Mom, for doing this for us. Go do it for us, right? We can get caught in that trap of excuses of why we're doing the things that we're doing. Why am I doing this? Well, what am I trying to prove we would ask. And whom, whom are we trying to prove it to? For some of you, right now thinking, you could actually put a name to that. You could put a name to who you're trying to prove it to and why you would toil and chase the wind so hard and you're, you're envious and to, to get some sort of accolades that you think that you need. You could actually put a, a face to that. And as disturbing as this is, and I know this is reality for so many people, you actually could put a name and a face to that person, and they're not even on this planet anymore. They've died. And yet you find yourself 
still in this messy place where your emotions, trying to prove yourself, trying to prove a point, trying to prove and make them proud enough or show them up or show them who they are, and it's destructive to you. It's, it's toiling, and the thing is, and this is the toughest part, they don't even know it, and they don't even care. Those were some eye-opening moments for me as I myself have struggled with chasing the wind, toiling for approval and understanding, when I realized they don't even care. They don't even know what I'm doing and how much this is consuming me and essentially wrecking the things around me. And so that's the question. Why am I depriving myself of this enjoyment? He couldn't stop and enjoy what he had. And he didn't know why perhaps you can't either and you don't know why. This, too, is meaningless. A miserable business. This, too, is meaningless. A miserable business. I was having a, a, a conversation this week, actually, with a dear friend of mine. And uh, we've been, you know, working through some stuff and mentally and there's emotions and all this stuff that's going on. And <laughs> he brought like a, a draw dropper, like it was a stop in a conversation. He said, yeah. So my counselor said, um, why is it you're so willing to let everyone else around you down except for your work? <sighs> How many of us find ourselves there? We are willing to let the things around us down so much more quickly than work, than that thing we're competing with someone else at. And the thing is, friends, is you will never, I will never be who we were born to be as long as we're looking over our shoulder at everybody else. And if you're a Christian, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is even more serious. You'll never experience God's purpose for your life while distracted with the purpose that God has for other people in their life. It says in Proverbs 14.30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. But envy, and this is where we started, rots the bone. A heart at peace gives life, tranquility, when we get to just hold that with one hand. But envy, toil, and chasing rots the bones. You can't compare or compete your way to peace. You can't win chasing the wind. I don't know how many of you have seen this or if you even have the opportunity to see this. There's a, a really wonderful movie out there right now that just came out during this pandemic called Soul. It's on Disney+. Plus. You can watch it then. And uh, I've had tons of conversations with people that didn't realize, like, oh, I didn't really think it was like a thing, and, you know, or my kids watched it. And I want to tell you that I think that this movie represents this idea of envy and really the epitome of it because we get lost in chasing what we think is our purpose in life. And I want to tell you that there's actually really beautiful conversations. If you wanted to sit down this week and do like a little homework time, watch this movie Soul or watch it with someone else and then have deeper conversations about theology and life and purpose and see what comes out of that as it challenges us to do that. 
God has given you a race to run. We need to, friends, get our emotions under control and say, Envy, you're not going to be the boss of me. I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to stay right there. I'm going to thrive right there where I am. And I'm going to change someone's world from right there. I'm going to be present for the things around me. I'm going to stop trying to compete against other people who don't even realize that I'm competing with them. I'm going to stop scrolling through stuff that just is filling me up with the, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser. Oh, yeah, and then you put it away, and then you pull it back out, and you're like, let me see what's going on in the world. Oh, you're a loser, because we just compare, right? We need to, friends, look to others for inspiration, not not, not, not intimidation. We don't need to be them. I, I love them. I've got beautiful friends, and I have these conversations all the time about someone else trying to imitate someone else. Like, oh, that's who I need to be. That's who I need to be. That's who I need to be. No, no, no. You need to be inspired by who they are. It's the same thing when it comes to following Jesus and to being a follower of Jesus, being his disciple. Yes, you need to be that, you need to be that, you need to be that. And then you go, oh, I can't be that, right? You can't. He's Jesus. You can't. They're like awesome at what they're doing and they're living out their purpose. But, but you can be inspired by them and you can strive to own your stuff and to keep working at and being better and holding that balance and saying things like, Envy, you're not going to be the boss of me and I'm going to celebrate when I can't participate. I love this. Jordan Peterson writes in his book, 12 Rules for Life. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not who somebody else is today. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Don't miss what life has for you, friends. Jesus put it um, so beautifully to his followers, he said, hey, 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 don't compare yourself to one another. Love one another. He said, this, this, friends, this, friends, is how you will know you're my disciples. This is how you'll know other people are followers of Jesus. They're not comparing themselves to one another. They're not saying this is a, you're good enough and, and, and leveling up. No, no, no. They are going to love one another. And envy gets in the way of love. Loving one another is not a nice to do. It's a must do. Loving one another. It's mission critical. Jesus said it. That's how you're going to know who people are. That's how they're going to be set apart. Don't chase the wind. It's meaningless. And if you do what's meaningless for too long, your life becomes meaningless. And if you do what's meaningless for too long in the end, your life will lack meaning. So don't chase the wind. So grab your phones right now, wherever you're at, and you can take a picture of this slide. We're going to put it up here. Here's some conversation uh, to have with the people around you. And you can ask, in what areas 
Am I most inclined to chase the wind? What areas am I finding myself constantly just chasing the wind and toiling? Are you competing eternally with anyone? A parent, a sibling, an older brother, an older sister, a cousin, a friend, and then memorize Ecclesiastes 4, 6. Better is one hand full of tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Let's do work this week, friends. Let's say, hey, emotions, you're not the boss of me. Hey, anger, you're not the boss of me. Hey, pride, you're not the boss of me. And envy, I will not chase the wind. You are not the boss of me. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that comes from your word. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love for us. God, may as we just respond in worship right now, may we just sit in. May we just be present in. God, may we just feel the emotions, the, the raw emotions of worship that come out of us, the ugly, the beautiful, the, the richness, the undeveloped. God, may we grow in these moments in the knowledge of your grace and your truth. In your name we pray, amen. Let's respond in worship.